0: God uh, is going to bless his family and bless his descendants to be many. An author named uh, Ebid said, "To leave the certainties one knows and to go out into what is quite unknown, relying on nothing other than the word of God, is the essence of faith. Abraham's faith in God and obedience to him is seen. And what was promised happens. In Genesis 13, if you want to go back to that, God tells Abraham, Genesis 13, starting in verse 15, he's showing him all the land, and he says, All this that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Now go, walk through the length and the depth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham's standing there, and it's a mighty, it's an awesome promise. You have all of this land, and he's overlooking, and it's going to be filled with your descendants. And they're going to be blessed forever forever. You remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons. I don't know if we should sing that right now. It would go great with our sermon. I'm getting some head shaking. No? Okay. Right. So Abraham has this great promise. He's going to have millions, millions of descendants. And it's, that's a powerful and a great promise from the Lord. But there's one very slight problem in this plan. Would someone be willing to turn back a couple pages to Genesis 11 verse 30 and read that to us out loud? Someone want to read Genesis 11:30 out loud? Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Oh Sarai, who would later be Sarah, Abraham's wife, couldn't have children. Hmm. But God is promising Abram, who would later be Abraham, that your descendants are going to be great and might and multiply all over the land. But they're already older. They already know that Sarai is barren. That Abraham is old, kind of past that point, And God is promising his offspring to be blessed. If I were to pick a couple, and I'm not God, we're going to talk about that in a second too. But if I were to bless a family And say your descendants are going to be mighty. You're going to have this whole nation. All this land. I would probably pick the person. That has a bunch of children already. And that they're going to have a bunch of children. And there will be millions. And millions of descendants from them. Probably not the guy. And the lady. That are past childbearing years. And couldn't even bear children. To this point. But we're going to see that miracle take place. This portion of this story, Abraham demonstrated faith for the impossible promise. Sarah, his wife, is even listed in the Faith Hall of Fame. If you go back to Hebrews 11, I told you we'd be jumping back and forth. So Hebrews 11, 11 it says that, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, (laughs) I like that, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. In this part of the story, there's a humorous part. And there's a very disappointing part. Turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15 verse 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Abram answers to God and says, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar, Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Basically, God tells Abraham, I'm your reward, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham responds with what? What can you give me that I can pass on? I can't pass on anything of an inheritance because I have no children. That was a big part of their life. Still today, we, we pass on uh, inheritance and uh, we have heirs still. But back then, it was even a bigger deal. And Abraham uh, recognizes, obviously, they've tried having children. God hasn't given them kids. He hasn't been able to have kids. And God responds to Abraham, this man will not be your heir, talking about his servant, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And again, he takes him outside and he looks up at the sky and he counts the stars. If indeed you can count them, so your offspring shall be. God promises a son of his own and again reaffirms that Abraham's descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But how? Sarah is barren. Let me start with uh, the disappointing part. It's never uh, fun, and then we'll get to the humorous side later. How many of you would agree that um, God often doesn't answer prayer in the timing that we think (laughs) it should happen? Anyone been there? I don't know that I've ever thanked God. Well, no, I should say that. I don't know. I was going to say I don't know I've ever uh, thought God did something too early. Uh, God's answered prayers before I even prayed it. You know, like he'll do stuff that I didn't even pray for. So that would be him doing it before I was, uh, you know, you know, earlier than I expected, but most of the time when we're praying, uh, it doesn't happen in the timing that we're getting into, that we would like it to. Don't allow your faith to become impatient to the point that you compromise to force something to happen, because most of the time we mess it up. But I want to say that again before we get into. Abraham and Sarah is part of this. Don't allow your faith to become impatient to the point that you compromise to force something to happen. In Genesis chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah mess it up. And verse 3 tells us that they had lived in Canaan for 10 years. Sometimes when we read in the Bible, chapter to chapter, we think it's happening, boom, 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 boom. But 10 years has gone by since Abraham was first asked to go and he leaves Ur. And God promises the first time of Abraham having many offspring. He's probably shared that with Sarah. 10 years have gone by. And Sarah, in my opinion, is tired of waiting. And she has a servant named Hagar. When we read the story, Abraham brought the servant with him. He brought Sarah, obviously, brought some of the animal. He had more, it was more than just him on the journey uh, to Canaan. But Sarah has this maid named Hagar. And she comes up with the idea that she will give Hagar to Abraham. So she says in verse 2 of Genesis 16, she says to Abram, Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. This is a plan, but it's not... A good plan. (laughs) Sarah thought that this would satisfy her desire uh, to have a family, to be a mother, that she could raise this child as her own. She's desperate. She's willing to try her own ideas instead of waiting out for the Lord. And too often we make compromises in our life, even with the best of intentions. Uh, Sarah is commended for her faith, so uh, she probably has the best of intentions in mind, but we end up hurting ourselves, we end up hurting others in the process. We try to rush the moving of of God's hand. We try to speed up the process, maybe thinking, you know, God must not know what he's doing, so I know what I'm doing, we're going to do it this way. Obviously, we don't think that way. But in our mind we 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 compromise and we rush things and we mess things up. Abraham agrees to what Sarah has proposed. He sleeps with Hagar and she conceives a child from what we can gather the first try without any issues. Does this make Sarah happy? It, it built her, her plan worked. She had a baby. She has a baby. No, Hagar, the Bible says, begins to despise Sarah. Probably, and doesn't give very many details, but her plan is that the maid still lives there, but Sarah wants the child to be her own, but she can't nurse the child. So Hagar has that motherly connection, and Hagar knows that's, that's my child that you're trying to raise and build this future and kind of force the promise of God to happen. And when we try to be God, <laughs> we mess things up. And thankfully, God redeems the situation which he often will in our own lives when we've messed things up. We're not gonna to dwell too long on, this, on uh, Hagar and Ishmael is the, the son's name. But the boy grows up and he always feels like he's uh, a kind of an outsider of the family. But God is involved in his life and you can read uh, more about his story on your own and God does bless him, doesn't he? just kick him away for this. But that's the disappointing part of this whole story is Abraham and Sarah trying to force the issue and and messing things up. Now the humorous side, Genesis uh, 16 verse 16 points out that Abraham is 86 years old when Ishmael is born. And the very next verse, again, it just jumps through time. Chapter 17 verse 1 tells us, He's now 99. Thirteen more years have gone by. Of that promise, Sarah's tried stuff on her own, still can't get uh, pregnant with Abraham's uh, child. Ishmael is grown and 13. He's, he's an, basically an adult for them back in that day. So a long period of time Has happened and God again, he proclaims to Abraham that he will be the father of many nations and his descendants will be many. Then he tells Abraham that Sarai, and this is the scripture that he uh, says, call her Sarah now, that uh, he tells Abraham that Sarah is going to bear him a son. And Abraham's reaction in verse seventeen: Abraham fell face down. He laughed, and he said to himself, uh, uh, "Now my now this is going to happen when I'm 99 years old and Sarah's 91 years old." But God assures him that it will happen. In the next chapter, in eighteen, the angel of the Lord, three men uh, appear. To Abraham. And again, they speak with Abraham and they're meeting him at a tent. He's been living in a tent for 23 years at least. You could probably uh, add a couple of that because of pregnancies and how the promises are told and different ways like that. So possibly 25 years of living in a tent Maybe in the same part of the land of Canaan, maybe he wasn't moving as much, but he's still living in a tent. And Sarah is within hearing distance of it, and as you know, tents, you can hear everything that's happening at the campground, right? And so with Sarah in hearing distance, the angel of the Lord tells Abraham again that one year from now, Sarah will give birth to a son. Sarah overhears it, and in verse 12, she laughs to herself and has the thought, after I'm worn out and my husband's old, now, now I'll have this pleasure? And the the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah just laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? And Sarah gets afraid, so she lies and says, "I, I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh. And the Bible says, the angel says, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> so This funny, humorous little conversation is happening. And I remember uh, I had the same reaction when my wife told me that we were going to have Levi. It had been 12 years uh, since Ben was born. And she tells me, and I laughed and said, no, no, that can't be, that can't be right <laughs> Okay, but praise the Lord. We're thankful for Levi, and uh, since Ben's not in the room, Levi's my favorite. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> we joke about that all the time. So you can you can tease Ben that his dad says Levi's his favorite. But anyway, these two, Abraham and Sarah, are showing extreme faith in this process. Right in this moment, they're laughing about it obviously they're commended for their faith. So they still trust God that if he promised and he said they're going to have a son, they're going to have a son. And they're probably laughing, it, not to put the words in their mind of what they're doing, but they're probably laughing not in a, oh, that's never going to happen. But now, now it's going to happen when I'm 99 years old. But as the Lord promised, a year later, Sarah does conceive, And they named the boy Isaac. And Sarah says in uh, Genesis 21, uh, verse 7, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. As much as they thought it was ridiculous that God would give them a child, they were committed for their faith. Isaac is the result of years of dreaming, years of longing for a child of their own. God has now miraculously healed them both to be able to have a child. Isaac is the answer to years of prayer, years of faith, finally a boy to pass on the family heritage. Abraham probably spent many days and years talking with his friends and family who they were able to pass on uh, their, their inheritance on. And Abraham uh, wasn't able to talk about that and probably was uh, jealous, probably was ashamed, all those things. But now, now he has his son. Abraham demonstrated faith for the impossible promise. He demonstrated faith for the unseen. But wait, there's a third way that Abraham demonstrates faith to us. Hebrews 11, go back to Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. So, I don't know if we, I don't know if your Bible reads that, but Abraham has, God's going to test Abraham, and after 100 years, is anyone 100 years old in here? We won't make you say who the oldest people are, we're not even, none of you are even close to Abraham and Sarah's age. God gives Abraham and Sarah a child and now Abraham is going to sacrifice him? Turn to Genesis 22. Abraham, the third way, uh, demonstrated faith for the severe trial or test. I'll try to hurry through this story. I've done a sermon just on uh, this, uh, this story, but I won't preach it. we got 10 minutes. <laughs> but sometime later, God tested Abraham. We don't know how long uh, this was, but Isaac is probably 13, uh, at least 13 and, and possibly 30 years old, somewhere in there. God says to Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. This is years of promise, years of prayer finally fulfilled, and now God asks Abraham to sacrifice him to test his faith. Just a side note about testing of, of our faith in James, the book of James chapter 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, when your faith is is tested, not if your faith is tested, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your strength has a, a chance to grow. Your belief in God, your faith in God has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. A lot of things in life test our faith. Different types of people, the things in the world today, the different types of circumstances, trials, tribulations that we go through, all can test our faith. And sometimes God uses them to test us with the intent of growth. God is going to use those tests to help you grow. He's not trying to knock you down. He's not trying to harm you. He has uh, your best interests in mind. He loves you more than anyone else. So he'll use these tests to help you to grow. Going back to Hebrews eleven seventeen, it continues that he, Abraham, who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Go back to Genesis 22. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. He chops wood for the fire, for the burnt offering, and he sets out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, of their journey. This wasn't go out back. This wasn't go to the campground. This was go to the mountain Moriah. It's a 3-day journey. And Abraham looks up and he sees the place in the distance where he's to go. And he says to his servants, "Would you stay here with a donkey? Me and me and my son are going to travel a little further." We're going to worship there and then we'll come right back. So Abraham places the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them are walking along together, Isaac is smart. This is why they they think he's older, okay? He's smart. And he says... Father, um, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? And this is the moment, this is a moment that Abraham proves his trust in God. He says in verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham builds an altar. He arranges the wood on it. This is more than just a little campfire to cook your steaks on. Okay? It's probably as, you know, big as the communion table, bigger with enough wood to be cooking the, the offering. It says he then tied his son Isaac. And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. <clears throat> I get emotional because all of Abraham's hopes and his dreams are laying on that altar. And God has told him that Isaac is going to be blessed and all of his descendants and all of this. is. And so he has his trust and he has his faith in the Lord, but all of his dreams, all of his future, the years of his promise, the years of his struggle, the years of jealousy, of pride, of of uh, having an inheritance to pass along to—it's laying there. It's his sacrifice. And verse ten it says that Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice God got right to right to the very end and Abraham was had enough faith to say if I have to sacrifice I told the Lord I would do it and we don't have a lot of details of how uh, Isaac was reacting or Abraham how emotional if I'm getting emotional about it how emotional was he but praise the Lord As he's raising the knife to kill his son, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham probably drops the knife and he looks up and there's a ram in the thicket, stuck in the bushes. So he takes the ram and he unties Isaac and he places the lamb, the the sheep, the ram, sacrifices it in place of his son. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Abraham is a great example of faith. He's human like we are and kind of forcing the issues sometimes, um, but he demonstrates great faith. Through this testing, he demonstrated his confidence in his relationship with God. Could or should God be trusted when giving such a command? Can God's character be trusted when human circumstances don't make sense? Abraham knew that God was trustworthy. He chose to believe that God's love is unchanging and that God's wisdom is infinitely greater than Abraham's own limited understanding. He also, God's request also tested Abraham's faith in relation to his natural affection and his love for his one and only son, Isaac. Isaac was a miracle son. He was a a son of a covenant, a promise. He was extra special to Abraham. But this test was asking, is he more special uh, to him than God, and we found out. God's request tested Abraham's faith in the promise of God about Isaac carrying on the power of the descendants uh, of Abraham. How could all that God promised Abraham come true if he sacrificed his one son? So, considering all of this, if worship team, if you had come, and we'll close. Looking at all three of the episodes of Abraham's story, his life, Abraham's faith is commended by the author of, of Hebrews in 11, verse 9. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham's promises. Fulfilled of having many descendants and them being blessed. Chapter 11 goes on to list them. Verse 20, it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, his sons, in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of of Joseph's sons. And worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph when his end was near. He spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. It's passed on generation to generation to generation to generation. The blessing of uh, the descendants of of Abraham. Would you stand with me? Lessons for our faith today I want to encourage you with as we close. Faith is put into action often when we don't understand the next steps. Can I encourage you today that if God is asking you to do something, don't wait until you understand everything that's going to happen because he'll probably never do it. Know that in the moment, that if you're in a moment where you don't know what the next thing is coming, God is in control. God has his hand on you. He has his hand upon the the situation. He's going to work it out. You may not understand all that's happening or that will happen, but God is with you and your faith will grow as you walk in uh, that confidence in the Lord. Second, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. is There's a verse that says lots of things are impossible for man. But with God, nothing is impossible. It may not happen in your timing or in your ways. But know that God is going to answer your prayer. He's going to make it work. It may not be the way that you think it should go. You may look back and like, wow, God really worked in that situation and made this happen. And we can look back and praise Him for that in the moment. Don't think that anything is impossible for God. Last, allowing the things that test our faith stretch you into a stronger believer. When you're going through tests, when you're going through trials, know that they can stretch you. You can grow. You can be strengthened through them. That God is going to work through them to to, um, strengthen you and your relationship with Him. That your faith will grow. As we close uh, today, I want to open, I want you to sing with us, but... I want to open the front to to pray. If there's anything uh, that we've uh, discussed today about faith, if you're in any of those uh, parts of the walk with the Lord where you don't understand the next steps, come and I'd love to pray with you. Or if there's something in your life that seems impossible, I'd love to pray with you. If you're going through a trial or, or a test today, I'd love to pray with you that, uh, God, that you will use this moment, uh, this, this situation to help you build stronger in the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, I love you, Lord, and I thank you uh, for Abraham's life that we can look back and be encouraged and grow. And so I just pray for each person, Lord, that you would help us in this moment. We would just take a couple minutes Lord, in that uh, we would grow closer to you, stronger uh, in you through our faith. God, that you would uh, work in the impossible situation. In the unseen uh, future, you would help us. we We rely on you, God. Would you sing with us today? And I'd love to pray with you if you want to come forward. Change my heart, oh. Change my heart, oh...